The Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. With the Masters coming up this week, MyBookie.ag is running a great promo for all of you. 50% refund on your biggest Masters bet. For example, if you bet $1,000 on a guy like Tommy Fleetwood, Tiger Woods to win, and they give it, they will give you 50% back if that bet does not hit. And again, as always, enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000 today. Live from Las Vegas, it's the Inside Vegas Podcast, March Madness, come and gone, NCAA Tournament, come and gone, shout out to Virginia for exercising the demon, and what a redemption story that was start to finish. That doesn't mean that basketball is over here, and to me, there's only one mind that was worthy of talking NBA playoffs with, my friend Eric Rosenthal, you can find him on Twitter, at Eric Sports, he is one of the new co-hosts for the DraftKings Sports Gambling Podcast, Between the Lines, you can find that on Twitter, at Between Lines DK as well, and Eric's going to be joining us to talk all things NBA playoffs. Can anyone dethrone the Warriors? Does anyone else even make worthy of a bet to potentially sell as a cash out prop swap? Any uh, cash out options that you guys may have at your specific books yourselves? Anyone provide value um, in terms of anything along the way, the easiest pass, the toughest pass? And we look at, you know, starting with the takeaways from the 2018-2019 NBA season, what can be applied to next year, the potential shift of power within the NBA with the top two picks likely to be uh, Zion Williamson, John Morant, what that could mean. And he brings up a lot of good points about potential trade opportunities with some of these um, bottom feeders and what it could mean to, you know, have an asset like that with the number one or number all, or two, even three overall pick. So a great episode digging into a little bit early NBA playoff action uh, for the current landscape for this year, as well as next year. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Again, this is Eric Rosenthal of the DraftKings podcast, Between the Lines. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, friend of the program and personal friend of mine, somebody that has been doing, I have said, always say this, does incredible stuff in this space, but somebody who's even taken that to the next level. Eric Rosenthal, follow him on Twitter at Eric Sports and the new host of the DraftKings exclusive podcast Between the Lines. Follow that on Twitter at Between the Between Lines DK. Of course, subscribe and all that good stuff where your podcasts are found. My man, um, first of all, I think we should start with with the the biggest news of of kind of um, you know a, a while for you in you know doing this venture with DraftKings and, and you know being that exclusive podcast for sports handicapping when it comes to them. Um, so first of all, let's start there, man. How is everything in your world and kind of you know, how did uh, this opportunity kind of come up for you to, you know, start this new uh, venture with a company like DraftKings? Uh, it's going great. I'm thrilled to be doing this with DraftKings. They've been super supportive of me and the team making this podcast happen. And it's just going to get hopefully bigger and bigger and better and better as we add new features. And eventually we're going to be uh, live on live on video each day. Um, so it's, it's been awesome. DraftKings, you know, came to me and uh, um pitched me on a on a show and I was all on board and we uh, made it happen rather quickly uh, and it's been just an amazing experience so far but I uh I got to say I I miss doing podcasts with you we we did many <laughs> with each other yours on my yours on mine you on mine mine me on yours and uh during the football season is always a lot of fun I miss talking to you in general and just talking football and sports and uh, I'm excited to do it again for this pod Yep. And for this one, I mean, we are, I'm going to let you really take this because as I've said time and time again, basketball, definitely or professional NBA, definitely not my forte. I, I think that I can find the, you know, tank of Palooza's of the world. I can kind of see some spots of value, um, some total driven stuff like that, but largely look, you, you can't do every single sport by yourself. You'll, you'll absolutely burn yourself out when you're going to do this at, you know, as a professional at this level. Um, I know you basically cover absolutely every single sport. Um, and basketball has always been kind of one that is, you know, maybe how I feel about baseball, you know, your most passionate. I know you coach it, do a lot of things in your community with basketball what kind of led you to you know seeing um you know growing that passion for the sport and kind of you know incorporating it into your life in, in you know terms of your personal life and all that type of stuff as well and then how did that translate over into the nba dfs handicapping all that type of stuff i don't think i had a choice i uh, just it's who i was since before i could walk or talk I, I i think i used to when we would drive around my mom would drive me around i used to point up at the the 76 station and just say ball 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 every time <laughs> 
that had that uh, big ball around. I would watch uh, games that you know, one, two years old. And just every time someone would dribble, I would just say ball, ball, ball. And then I'd stop. I'd, or my mom would change the channel. I'd cry. So, um, it was just ingrained in me since I, before I could, you know, even walk. And, um, it's a lot easier to it, for it to be your job when you love it and you're passionate about it. You know, I'm watching freaking, you know, the Knicks against the bulls on a Tuesday they literally play tonight, but I'll watch the Knicks and the Bulls on a Tuesday, some terrible basketball. And it's not, you know, work like it is for other people. I mean, I'd much rather watch Denver, Utah tonight, and I will. But um, it's a lot easier to do the work when you enjoy it. And uh, obviously, it's still work. It's still tough. It's not as much fun watching the Knicks and Bulls game 80 or 81. But then it's how you get your value for game 82 when they're going to be tanking and you're watching players you haven't seen since college and or backups in college or whatever. And uh, it it's hard work, but that's how you wind up getting wins. And you can win just as much on game seven of the NBA finals as game 82 of the regular season with two teams who uh, have no incentive to win and started a bunch of players you've never heard of. So um, it, it just to focus 82 games a year and year round for all sports. I love that you brought that up, man, because I'm the same way except opposite. I, you know, last night, instead of watching most of that national championship game, I watched the Padres and the Giants and the Brewers and the Angels, and, and I could not have been happier with that. But I want to talk about that because I think it bears mentioning. Hey, with quick, the, go ahead. Wait, I got to stop. The, the Padres game last night, I was, I was watching it as well, being here down in San Diego. And I, uh, I told a friend of mine, well, that's a wrap. Down 5-0. The Giants were leading. And all of a sudden, what, what a comeback win for the Pods. Ah, man, the, the cardiac kids and they're, you know, they're a team I was actually honestly down on because I, they, I knew that they were going to come up, um, but they're doing a little bit of the Braves rendition coming up a year early. And, you know, they're saying service time be damned. We want to win. And I always, you know, my reasoning for being a little bit down on them, not to go off on a baseball tangent, but I just, we've seen this with Machado before when he was on the Orioles and he's really, you know, up until that point had proven he can't, he's not good enough. I don't want to say not good enough, but he couldn't, you know, take a team on his back like that. And so I thought the number got a little inflated, but what they have with that rotation paddock all the way through the the best infield maybe in baseball in a couple of years with Machado, Urias, and Tatis. It's it's going to be something they are going to be good for a very long time if things break right for them. But um, let's talk about that national championship game, man. Um, as a whole, when we look at this, um, taking uh, NBA aside for a second before we dig into kind of our takeaways for the season in the NBA playoff picture that's shaping up, um, tournament, Virginia ultimate kind of turnaround. I know it sounds weird to say as, you know, maybe an underdog to, um, you know, as a one seed, but I think a lot of people thought this would be the same old UVA team, despite, you know, maybe having the best offensive team in a while. Um, what were kind of your biggest takeaways from the NCAA side before we kind of break off into the NBA uh, version of this podcast? Well, I had Virginia winning the tournament from the start. Uh, they were, they were my pick, picked them in my brackets, picked them in my Calcutta league, paid for them. I wound up luckily being able to finish first in, uh, my main bracket contest, which was nice. Uh, to be honest, I got lucky a little bit. I still think they were the best team, but they had sub 10% win probabilities multiple times just over and over somewhat, you know, miracles and including the national championship, one shot, one call goes the other way and you lose and you're not. The, the genius. So I don't want to take too much credit, but uh, I did like Virginia from the start and I, I thought they were the best team and they, they deserve to win in the end. When we look at this, I mean, when you talk about that, I believe it was, yeah. So at different times of the games uh, for Virginia, Purdue, they had a 12% chance to win Auburn, 5% in Texas tech. Um, that, Odds they will win it all. Oh, so through, yeah, I mean, when you break that down, it's absolutely incredible. It's basically a one in 800 when you break that down into what it is in terms of odds. Um, is this uh, the worst coach? I don't want to say worst coaching, but is Duke the biggest disappointment that we will look back on for years and years, possibly of all time for a one and done team like that? I don't think so because of the lack of three-point shooting that they had. Um they just couldn't shoot the ball from three and that's what you do in today's day and age. And they had the reddish in, reddish injury. Um, and they lost by a couple points right to Michigan state. If they lost earlier and they easily could have multiple times, I mean, they, they maybe deserved to lose the, the shot was from UCF was right there. And then Virginia tech to go to overtime right there too. But I don't think people are going to look back and go like, how did they not win the, the depth that they had no three point shooters at all. And the injuries, um, it's tough and, and starting those, you know, freshmen relying on them to win and other teams that have juniors and seniors. Um, it was disappointing for them, but they weren't, a f they were the favorite 
versus instead of anybody else, but they weren't the favorite versus the field to win the tournament. They were an underdog uh, to to win it all, no doubt about it, to win six games. And it was disappointing for them. Duke fans shouldn't be happy. It's great people can make the memes and make fun of them for losing, but it wasn't some all-time dominant team that that lost when they never should have. I like it, man. Let's move over to the NBA because I know again you feel so much, you know, so much passion about this. I know we're recording this about two days before they have two more games in the season, and there's still so much up for grabs. So let's start there. When we look at this season as a whole, um, let's say narrative-wise, surprises either good or bad. I mean, at this juncture, I mean, again, I know we have basically two games left in the season, but pretty much everything's set in stone um, as far as teams getting in. Uh, is there, you know, again, besides the East, I don't think we're we're gonna gloss over the end of the East or the last couple teams there. But when you look at the season as and you know, as a whole, what are kind of your biggest takeaways? Either a surprise, something that you you know absolutely thought that came to fruition. To me, I want to start with um, the Lakers because I think it bears mentioning, not because they were bad, and I want to talk about that they were bad. I think that this was a team that was so polarizing because the narrative floated out there was one of two: LeBron is going to keep this streak up. He is, you know, he's built his career around this streak of making the playoffs at least. Or he was going to take a year off, realize that he has been, you know, basically played whatever it is, like three more seasons than anybody do to playoffs, um, take this year, understand that this is kind of a rebuilding year and, and, you know, potentially be shut down. And that's exactly what came to fruition. And so to me, like, again, to liken this to baseball, when you have a, a ceiling floor team, like let's say the Mets every single year, that's what I really thought that the Lakers kind of, you know, range of outcomes was certainly. And it's just so kind of crazy to me to see that it turned out to be so obviously that second one of him kind of taking the year off and understanding it and want to trade the whole team or this and that. What are kind of your biggest takeaways? Yeah, I don't think this season for the Lakers is as big of a disaster as many people are pointing it out to be long-term. Now, for one season, it's a total disaster. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just a disaster from what people expected, what LeBron expects. But long-term, the Lakers were not going to win anything this year. The Warriors are have five all NBA players starting from their team. And we know for a fact, Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins is gone this year. And I guess we don't know that for a fact, hypothetically, if like Durant left and, you know, Clay left and then they needed to resign him, fine, whatever. But we're almost sure Cousins is gone. There's a very good chance Kevin Durant is gone. And the Lakers can look to possibly win next season. It didn't make sense to trade, you know, more assets for Anthony Davis to get a playoff run this year or any other player. Um, they now have a, a lottery pick with, a, you know, a chance to get Zion Williamson or John Morant. It's possible. Even if you don't say you wind up with the 10th or 11th pick, you can use that as a trade asset as well. LeBron gets the rest you, you mentioned. How often, you know, how many more games he's played, three full seasons extra compared to other players. And uh, now we get more time for Space Jam too as well, uh, which would be nice. You know, I want that movie to be, to be good. So... <laughs> Long term, yeah, the Lakers weren't going to win anything this year. Look, how, how much better would a, a first round exit getting swept by the Warriors or getting 4 1 by the Warriors, including a 36 point blowout in game five? What does that do for the Lakers organization rather than LeBron getting rest, keeping your assets, keeping a lottery pick with, with a what, you know, is it 4% chance to get uh, a top four pick, whatever it is? Yeah, with the new system. But, yeah, I think it's 4 Look. It's it's easy to say after what doesn't happen because it's unlikely to happen. Well, it didn't happen, so it's bad. But that's how you become the best team in the league. You need some luck. You need some chance. Now, if he can win the lottery and get Zion Williamson on his team and then either pair with him or, I mean, you could trade him for almost anybody in the league. Like, uh, could they go get, you know, obviously they could get Davis in a second with that, but could they trade every, everything else for Davis and then add Damian Lillard with a Zion trade or who knows they, they, they could become the best team in the league and need some luck. That's how it happened at Houston. Uh, he never wins a championship. If the Cavs don't win three out of four, four lotteries, most importantly, the Kyrie lottery, RIP to my Clippers for making that trade. Uh, <laughs> it's so stupid when it happened. And uh, it just bothers, bothers me that they, uh, they could have had the number one pick, but back to reality, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a chance. and. To become the best out of 30, you need luck to go your way, and maybe the Lakers will put themselves in position. 
Let's let's stick in the East and we look at these uh, non-playoff teams because this is set in stone. Sacramento, I think had a you know my, I believe their season win total was like twenty something. They blew by that very quickly. The Lakers we touched on. The Timberwolves I think are always on the verge of underachieving. The Pelicans are the Anthony Davis show. As he goes, they will go. Memphis, Dallas, and Phoenix with the worst record um, in the West. I mean, out of these teams, is there anything even worth kind of talking about in there? Um, obviously, the Pelicans probably likely to get a lot worse before they get anything close to better. Um, you know, Dallas in a rebuilding year, although you know, one of the best look rookies in the league now. And again, Minnesota underachieving anything from kind of the rest of the worst before we break into the playoff uh, picture of the West. The Mavericks are the most interesting team as they keep their pick if it's in the top five and they lose it if it's six or later. And they're right on the edge right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that they beat the Grizzlies um, in the last game, which could hurt their position. They might really need to lose it these last few games. But if they get another, they get especially a top two pick, Zion or John Morant to either keep him or keep them or trade them uh, can put them to be a serious contender with Luca Porzingis, assuming, you know, he has his legal situation. I don't know enough to comment. Uh, I'll say if he's guilty, obviously he deserves all the punishment in the world. He's completely innocent and it's a lie. They can focus on that, the basketball stuff moving forward. But if Porzingis, Doncic and, you know, a, a second, a third elite guy, they can be serious contenders super soon. Uh, everybody else, the Grizzlies aren't going anywhere soon. The Pelicans aren't going anywhere soon. Timberwolves aren't going anywhere soon. The Kings are a nice story, and I'd like them to, to get better, but I don't see them as a championship contender um, unless something drastic happens. And then the Suns, at least they have future. I mean, they have got all these young guys. We'll see now Devin Booker. Uh, if he's a winning player or not, or he's a great stats, bad team guy. But eventually... Yeah, little Carmelo in his game, right? Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, they've never expected to win. So I can't put all the blame on him. Like, it's game 80, it's game 72. You're 36 and a half games out of the Warriors or whatever. I, I said that as a joke. I looked at 37 and a half behind the Warriors right now. <laughs> yeah. Literally just made the number up. Uh, how hard are you really going to try on defense when, when it comes to either, you know, getting an extra hour of sleep for the game? Versus, you know, spending an hour with your family or having a good meal on a Saturday night or whatever you're going to do at, at you know, t 22 years old, whatever Devin Booker is. Uh, it's hard to make the decision. Like, I'm going to stay in, I'm going to ice my knees and do cryotherapy. I'm going to do a sauna, eat right, whatever. To my big game against the Pelicans tomorrow for like, if we're going to get last place or second to last place in the NBA this season. You know, like, I what do you expect from the guy? Yep. So. We don't know that he will put in the effort when it comes necessary, but you can't 100% blame him or discount him when they just freaking suck. Completely agree, man. Let's look at kind of, we'll go top to bottom here. The Warriors as the one seed in the West. I mean, I think everyone kind of saw this coming despite the fact that they were pretty, you know, the market kind of overvalued them all season. They were on a pretty bad ATS run. They just, they don't need to turn it on. I mean, their season starts in the playoffs. And I think that people kind of need to realize that. And I believe it was two years ago, um, or maybe it was last year. They, they were on like an incredible ATS run, just beating teams by a thousand. Um, I think that kind of gets old and, and you get complacent there. I want to talk about Denver and Houston. Cause I, you know, basically the same record, um, Portland at 51, let's go one through four here. Um, and we'll kind of, we'll break down odds, um, after we finish this up with the West, but when we look at the top four, teams um in the west i mean is this warriors and everyone else um does hard and have a chance to turn this on is the upstart nuggets you know with elevation home games that type of stuff having an advantage is this lillard's kind of breakout time here when we look one through four what are your biggest takeaways of can anyone of of those teams beat the warriors well the warriors are the best team they're going to win besides an injury or something catastrophic happening just that's just what it is now the nuggets at two I don't think they're the second best team. I think the Rockets are the second best team. I think everyone wants to play uh, Denver if, if they can get it in that six, seven, eight range. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if someone tanks. I would. And I think somebody will try to tank if they can into that slot to play Denver at whatever they finish, if that's two or the three spot. Houston has the upside. We saw the over 27 threes. They could have beat the Warriors last year. Are they the same team as last year? No. The Warriors are better. The Rockets, I think, are worse, even if people think they have the potential to be just as good. But the way they shoot three-pointers, the amount of three-point shots they take, and their design is how to beat the Warriors. All year long, Daryl Morey and that team thought, how do we beat the Warriors? Because they know, look, we have to beat, if it's the Nuggets or the Thunder or the Spurs or whoever the heck, in the first couple rounds. 
to win the championship. But we have to design everything on how we beat the Warriors because if we game plan how to beat the Nuggets, build a team around that, like, okay, we won, and then we're going to get just destroyed by the Warriors. They, they have a game plan. They have a strategy. Everything they do is how to beat the Warriors, and I think they have a real realistic shot at doing it. Um, like I said, the Warriors are just going to win because they're just better in the end. But when you shoot to 65 three-pointers, sometimes 31 of them are going to go in. And if 31 of them go in, the Rockets going to win any game. And they play the right way to beat an overwhelming favorite. And they could lose as a, as a favorite, the Rockets, too, the way they play. But they can beat literally any team just the way they play. So I wouldn't, if I had to pick any team to come out of the West besides the Warriors, it's the Rockets, no doubt. I think they have a substantially better chance than any other team to beat, to beat them. Is there any th- anything worth talking about with OKC, the Spurs, and the Clippers? The Spurs, of course, always a good story. Popovich, the consummate. Um, you know, one thing you can count on, much like the St. Louis Cardinals, is the Spurs going over their season win total. And for me, I was, there was a little, I, I have a, a, this man crush on Paul George, and I think he's just so ready to break out and be an MVP. Again, much like Giannis was the reason I bet Giannis so heavily for MVP. I'm a huge narrative guy, and guys eventually break through. And, you know, when George was up there as like the second or third favorite, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the one year because I didn't bet it this year. Um, any other team out here have a chance uh, when we look five through eight in the West or not even worth talking about, truthfully? Sorry, I left out Portland, by the way, but I think they go down in the first round to Utah as long as that matchup happens. I think Utah's the better team in general. The Nurkic injury, obviously, for the Blazers is hurtful. Um, I just see Utah advancing to the second round. And if Utah, I don't think it can work out, but if they can avoid the Warriors uh, in round two, I think they could definitely advance the conference finals, but it looks like they're going to have to play Golden State. Um, the Thunder obviously have a shot. I don't believe in them, but with the talent of Westbrook and George, the way they play defense, any you can always get off from three. Like it, it's the easiest thing to turn around is just luck from three. Uh, guys who shoot 31% can randomly shoot 42% from a series. Like if they're left open, it just is what it is. Now it's probably not going to happen, but it can. And if you can play defense at a high level, which that team can, Paul George, uh, you know, I think he's out of the MVP race. Clearly, it's, yeah. it's down to Giannis and Harden, but. The next tier guys, Paul George near the top. He's the best player on that team, not Russell Westbrook. I don't think there's even an argument for that anymore. That uh, they have a shot. Um, the Clippers are dead in the water, and it looks like they're going to get the eight seed, having to play the Warriors, which is just even more dead in the water. Um, it's stinks as a Clippers fan, you know. I, I kind of wanted the lottery pick if yep. we were going to get eight and get destroyed by the Warriors, but it's a good story. Um, maybe it can help get Kawhi Leonard, possibly Kevin Durant, which I, don't, which I don't think. I think Kawhi's the guy that they're targeting and most likely to get in the offseason. Um, other than that, not much to talk about with the Spurs. Um, they are who they are. They're going to play the game the right way, but I just don't think they have the talent. Clippers are going down for sure. Whoever they play, bet against the Clippers. They will not win their first-round series. I think Nuggets over Clippers would be um, a good bet, good value for anybody. And then I think that's about it with those teams. Let's look at the West odds. And I want to tell you, I want your opinion on which one makes the most sense um, from a, just in a vacuum to win, if it's worth the price uh, that you have to lay. And again, I, I know it's going to be a little chalky when we talk about the Warriors, but for me, there are, there are a couple blind bets that I place every single year, again, because I have you know a secondary market like PropSwap available to me out here. And that's, you know, Patriots to um, win the AFC, Patriots to win the Super Bowl. When LeBron was um, in the East, it was the Cavs to win the East. Um, it's Clemson, it's Alabama and Clemson, despite the price, because no matter what, it's going to shorten. And the Warriors certainly fall into this as a team I'm going to blindly bet to win the West um, and to win it until it proves not profitable here. So um, let's do this. We'll do um, the uh, Warriors minus 350. Is that a better price to win to take the West or would you take minus 200 to win the championship Rockets plus 300 Spurs 50 to one Jazz 25 to one Portland 100 to one Thunder 20 to one Nuggets 25 to one and Clippers uh, 150 to one best value that you could potentially hedge or sell for profit and then is it Warriors at minus 350 or would you take them all the way for minus 200 can you mean the Rockets uh, uh, Rockets to win the uh, uh, West is three to one plus 300 uh, I have no interest in that at all. Three to one is just not high enough. Um, I think they have a shot, but that's just absolutely ridiculous. They, they could lose in the first round. I don't think they will. But yeah, if they have to play the Thunder in the first round, those odds are not going to be high enough to get plus 300. And then they have to win the second round, possibly on the road at Denver, uh, which will be shorter odds. And then 
on the road at the Warriors, like plus three hundred is is total nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if even if you think they're going to win the win it, that's just bet it series by series. Bet your money on the first series, then take that money on the second series, then take it on the third because yep. plus three hundred is crazy. Utah twenty five to one. They can somehow. I guess they have to play the Warriors round too, right? Uh, but I like Utah twenty five to one. They'll. Be, I think they're going to get into that second round. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense at Utah twenty five to one have a team in the you know second round and and hope something happens. You can either sell on prop swap, um, hope they split one of the first two games or something, and then and then sell it on prop swap or maybe they go up two one. We've seen the Warriors go down in series before in the past, uh, although I think it's unlikely this year. Uh, twenty five to one just just good value. Um, if anything on the board, nobody else interests me at all, especially the Thunder at twenty to one. That's just too short too. Um, they have the talent, but if they have to play the freaking Rockets at the Rockets at the Thunder at the Warriors, you're gonna get way better odds betting it series by series. So um, how about Portland a hundred to one? I got no interest in Portland. Okay. Um, I think they're an underdog in the first round. I think they're gonna get lambasted in the second round, uh, and just have me back on to look dumb when Damian Lillard is celebrating his uh, first NBA. Finals MVP, if you want, uh, if it happens. All right, and then so last question: Warriors minus three fifty to win the West, or would you rather them to win it all at minus two hundred if you had to make one? I'll just take win it all. Uh, I think obviously they're an overwhelming favorite if they make it to the NBA Finals. It's weird the Bucks at sixty win team. Uh, we just don't trust them at all. But uh, I don't know if they get through the West. The West is so much better than the East. The Warriors are an all time great team. Giannis in the NBA Finals, he hasn't been there before. He's never won a playoff series. Obviously, hypothetically, he would get there. Um, and then if it's the Celtics, uh, I love the Celtics, but they're not going to beat the Warriors. Sixers actually have the talent and size to beat the Warriors, but it's just not going to happen in their first year. And then the one team I'd give the best shot in a seven-game series would be the Raptors. But um, e- either way, assuming the Warriors make it there, they're healthy. There's more time between games. In the finals and just the best team's going to win out, uh, assuming that the Warriors make it to the finals. All right, well, let's switch over to the East. Um, or, you know what, let's do this. What is your one biggest takeaway, either surprise or, or something uh, that stood out to you when we look at the West this year? Is it just the LeBron factor of him taking out? Is it what Russell Westbrook has been able to do? The Nuggets kind of rapid rise here, Utah coming up. What is kind of your biggest takeaways from the West before we move over to the East? The things sh- shaped out pretty much how I thought they would. Uh, I thought the Warriors were the best team. I picked the Nuggets for the second best record. Houston, I thought, would be where they are. Blazers are a great regular season team. Uh, Utah, I I loved uh, this season. They had a hard schedule early and have dominated their their schedule late. The Spurs, uh, I thought they were the ninth best team in the West, but I said they'd make the playoffs because no matter what goes wrong with the Spurs, they'll still be who they are. And I said something will go wrong with the top eight team. And that's happened to be the Lakers where something went wrong. LeBron at all went wrong for them. Yep. And no, no matter what, the Spurs could just be without Kawhi Leonard for a season. They still make the playoffs. So um, I thought that. And the one surprise, one surprise is the LA Clippers. Uh, they've fought through lack of talent. Um, no elite guys. There's just a lot of players who play hard, play well, good bench with uh, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell coming in and beating up on second units and even playing against the starters. So the Clippers have been the the one surprise in, in the playoffs, but it looks like they're going to wind up at the eight seed, losing three straight games in a row, just the collapse on the stretch, losing that Lakers game is a, is a total killer, putting you against the Warriors instead of the Nuggets. But uh, things shaped out pretty much how I thought they would in the Western Conference. I mean, the Suns suck. The Warriors are great is what it is. I like it, man. All right, let's look at the worst of the East. And if there's nothing even worth talking about here, then we can skip right to the playoff picture because that is pretty much locked up besides a couple out there. So let's do this. Uh, Knicks, Cavs, Bulls, um, pretty much the worst of the worst. Anything even worth talking about there? I think the narrative of LeBron leaving the Cavs, um, you know, there was the will they be, you know, fired up to show that this is we've seen this show before with Cleveland without LeBron. And it, it's not a good one there, in my estimation. Knicks tanking for Zion. I think it's very straightforward. Bill, uh, Bulls doing the same. Atlanta, look, Trey Young is everything we thought uh, and even more. Um, Washington, disappointing as kind of always. Dwayne Wade's final season, 38 and 42, with still an outside shot at the playoffs. Charlotte, uh, 38 and 42 with Kemba, same thing there. And Detroit, um, currently holding the eight, but I'll lump them in here right now at 39 and 41. Anything we're talking with, kind of the worst of the East, knowing that none of these teams really have a shot at anything? 
tank for Zion, Morant as a backup. The landscape of the NBA might get shifted based on where the Knicks fall in the lottery. Obviously, if they get number one to Zion, then they have a choice to make. If Kyrie and Durant say, we're coming, just trade that pick for Anthony Davis, and we're there, or whoever it is. Like, trade number one for Guy X, and we both sign. The Knicks have no choice to do it. They will do it. It's, it's unquestioned. Same thing with the number two pick. So it'll be interesting. I think the whole landscape of the NBA can change on the Knicks getting number one, not or two, not just because they would draft a Zion or a John Morant, but because that gives them the opportunity to get anybody. They have the, all the cap space to sign whoever, and it just gives them the ability to trade for basically any player in the league. There's very few guys who would, wouldn't be traded for, for Zion Williamson. And like I said, I, I mentioned Damian Lillard's name as somebody, too. Uh, it wouldn't really work out with the Knicks as much, but no one's talking about Lillard leaving. He doesn't want to leave, and that's I'll find it well. But there was a team that gets the number one or number two pick, and the Blazers look at this. They get Let's just say they get swept or losing five games in the first round. Eventually, at some point, you got to blow it up and realize it isn't it. And I, I could see... Uh, a lower trade uh, to the right team for the right pick if it happened. But um, other than that, just call me on draft lottery night. <laughs> I completely agree. Look, uh, Detroit, Orlando, a little bit of a surprising story there, although it's just at 500. I mean, the Nets, 41 and 40. Um, I did know some you know pretty sharp professional people that were big on the Nets this year, um, and that kind of came to fruition. Again, not that it takes much to get the sixth seed in the East. Uh, Indiana, 47-34. Um, let's start there before we go to the top four teams, just because I think there is obviously such a drop-off despite the record. Um, and we'll talk about Boston at length in a minute. Um, when we look at Indiana at 47, technically only a game out um, from Boston. But um, before we break into everything that happened with Boston this year, Pacers, Nets, Magic, um, Pistons, I know we talk, touched on them a little bit. Anything worth noting there as far as playoff runs um, to make it in the East, anything like that? Yeah, great seasons out of uh, the Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic. They should be happy with, you know, what they've done with what they have. Um, the Pistons, Blake Griffin's an all-NBA type of player. And I think they have to hold on to that spot for him to get all-NBA third team forward. Uh, I think, it, I assume they will. But if they collapse out of it in the East, I think it's going to be a struggle for Blake Griffin to get that award. People are going to be like, come on, man. You can't make the playoffs in the East. We're going to give you all-NBA. No thanks. But the Pacers, no Oladipo. They had a great season. They should be proud of it. Thanks for them. I think I tweeted uh, over a month ago when the Celtics were way behind the Pacers and really struggling. I said the Celtics are going to destroy the Pacers in the first round. Remember this tweet. Now they've locked up that uh, that matchup, home court advantage for the Celtics. I was hoping the Pacers would get home court, actually, to get better value on Boston. But because I don't think I don't think it's going to seven, so I don't think it matters. Um, I would have liked the Pacers that have home court, but uh great season. Too bad about Oladipo. They're unfortunately, you know who they remind me of is the last version of the Pacers, the Paul George Pacers yep. that couldn't beat the heat. Nothing to their fault. They just weren't good enough as the other teams. And even with Oladipo coming, coming back next year, the Sixers are going to be better. The Celtics possibly better. The Bucks should be and I don't want to say necessarily better on like a record or whatever. It's hard to do a 60 games, 60 win season again, but they'll be, you know, elite and who knows who, what they can do at free agency. I think the Pacers are in a situation where they're going to be, you know, like the old Hawks really good, have good regular seasons, but uh, not be able to get it done in the playoffs. All right. So let's talk about these, these uh, one through four here, because I think this is where the class of the East um, lays. Look, Giannis, again, touched on it with what he's done in Milwaukee, getting rid of, you know, the coaching issues there, letting him go another year. Um, when you look at the transformation of him, just even physically, it's absolutely incredible. Toronto with Kawhi um, always kind of does what Toronto does. They can't break through to that next level, but Toronto up there at the two. Philadelphia, somewhat, I mean, just so young. Um, so I think we kind of still have to give them some leeway after quote unquote arriving. And Boston is the team that I want to touch on just because they are so polarizing to me and not just because I'm born and raised as a Boston Celtics fan. But when we look at the Celtics team, 
with Brad Stevens, I think that we always, you know, it's the in Belichick we trust factor. It's the in Stevens we trust. He's every single time he's brought up, he, he's accompanied with best coach in the NBA and it's not close. Uh, yet could not rally this team um, to reach their potential in the regular season. So I guess my first question to you with a team like Boston is, is this just a case of complacency, knowing that the East is so weak, they don't need you know necessarily to get home court to be a team like Philadelphia, Toronto, or Milwaukee in their eyes, and they just couldn't do it. There was so much drama with Kyrie likely being gone, I would say. Tatum, I don't say he took a step back because he definitely, uh, he just wasn't playoff Tatum, which I think is obviously unsustainable for a regular season. Um, but he kind of, you know, I, I think that people were... He, even myself included, were looking for that instant superstar next step from him. Um, and I don't know that we got there. Horford, obviously, the kind of heart and soul of that team. But when you look like a te- uh, t- look at a team like Boston, underwhelming in the regular season as the four seed in there. Um, again, I know you just said you think that they are going to absolutely lay the wood to Indiana. But what are your thoughts on kind of them as a whole? Um, and then we'll go towards the rest of the East. Well, their talent is and was just overrated. Uh, look at their, who they started their last game against the Pacers when they, and had to win to get home court in the in the playoffs. Marcus Smart is starting. You know, I like Marcus Smart. He plays good, hard defense, but he's not some great basketball player, especially offensively. Kyrie Irving, I think, is very overrated. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not an elite basketball player who can score at the end, but I don't like the way he plays defense, and I think he's somewhat of a chemistry killer. Um, you've seen throughout the season his strange comments on and off the court. It's just, it's just been weird. I, I like Al Horford, but don't he's not some world beater. He's not some dominant force that's to be reckoned with. Uh, he's very smart, though. I think he gives Embiid and other guys problems in the playoffs because of just how intelligent he is. He never takes bad shots. Brad Stevens knows how to use him correctly. They started Aaron Baines, uh, who is Aaron Baines. I mean, come on. And then Tatum has been overrated, in my opinion. He, and he had big moments in the playoffs. I thought a lot of that to do was with the coaching and also just the situation. If he was on the Suns, do we really honestly think everyone would be talking about how great Jason Tatum is and, and you know his big playoff moments? Like, no, he, he'd be just where Devin Booker's been or, or worse and bottom of the West and last place, and no one cared, no one talked about him because he had uh, Brad Stevens in a weak Eastern Conference, you know, road last year almost making the finals people overrated how good jason tatum is so uh, i I just don't think the talent for the celtics is as good as everyone thought Uh, gordon hayward um his injury is is what set that team back a lot he's not an elite player at all i mean we've seen how he played this year and having to recover so i i don't really think the celtics disappointed as much as they as everyone claims because they're just players aren't as good as everyone thought brad stevens takes guys who aren't very good and makes them look Excellent. Do you think Look that about Kyrie too? Uh, I do. Um, he's never won anything without LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, you know, he wasn't on the team in the playoffs, and we'll see how he does this year. I think he'll be able to win some games. Uh, a lot of that to do with the coaching, but uh, yeah, uh, I do. I, I agree with you. All right, guys, let's go to the top three here: Milwaukee, unproven. Uh, Toronto has again never been able to break through, and Philadelphia, still young at fifty and thirty. When we look at this landscape of the top three, um, do you trust Milwaukee? I know you said you don't. Do you think that Toronto can break through to that next level? Um, and is Philadelphia still another year or two away from winning the East? Philly, it's starting five. They should win the East with that starting five, if you really look at it. Uh, the problem is their guys haven't been healthy. They haven't been on the court together. And it's not NBA 2K. You can't just throw five guys on the court and expect them to be able to win. They, game after game, including tonight against in Dwayne Wade's final appearance, and if you're listening to this after uh, Dwayne Wade's final game has happened, uh, you know, sorry for talking about this, but go check my Twitter, by the way, at Eric Sports. Sorry for the plug, but I tweeted a cool freaking video about Dwayne Wade. Uh, either way. But, it was um, the Budweiser one, right? Yeah, it was the yeah, Budweiser yeah, one. Yeah, I saw that. It's great. Really cool. So, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, six are starting five. I think it's the best starting five in the East. Uh, complements each other so well. Anytime Embiid and Redick are on the court together, they're absolutely dynamic. Uh, strangely, hasn't been talked about. I, I don't know why, but those that the pairing of those two guys is so extremely good. Uh, works perfectly. I don't see it all coming together this year, especially with the interesting piece that Ben Simmons is. He's potentially a he's a problem and a solution in the playoffs. Like against the right team, I think it actually works super well against a hypothetical Warriors matchup. 
because the Warriors are better. We know that they're the best team. But the freakish size of Ben Simmons at point guard really would change everything the Warriors have to do. And it just throws a wrinkle on, like, if Steph Curry can't guard Ben Simmons, and if Ben Simmons is guarding Curry, he's a giant. Now, maybe Curry just winds up destroying him, and they or they put, obviously, Clay on him, and then they put Curry on Redick, and maybe Redick's just running around screens all game, and he has to chase him around. Yeah, maybe that backfires for the Sixers, but maybe it works out where they can beat him. But in a lot of matchups, I think it can hurt them, too, and we'll see that against Toronto and Kawhi Leonard in the second round. They can easily win. So I think there's such high upside. I think Philly has the highest upside of any team in the East. As weird as that sounds, like they could literally genuinely win the NBA Finals if it all came together. Those five guys with Tobias and Butler at being added can actually win the NBA Finals. Don't think it's going to happen. Um, but sorry, enough about Philly. I forget exactly what your question was. No, just talking about the top landscape when we look at the top yeah. two teams. Milwaukee, okay. do you trust them? Toronto, can they break through? And Philly, are they still a year or two away? So Milwaukee has faced the easiest strength of schedule of any team in the past six years wow. in the NBA and by a pretty wide margin, but they've also destroyed teams and they've won so many games by double digits. I don't have the stat in front of me, but it was like crazy amount of wins by double digits this season. And everybody who wins that many games by double digits makes the NBA finals or even wins it. But it's weird how much like everyone's like in love with the bucks in love with the bucks are so great. They're so great. And the Raptors are three games behind. And Kawhi's played, what, 58 games this year? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I don't know what the number is, but uh, he's missed a good amount of games. And if Kawhi was fully healthy and playing every game, like maybe the record's the same. Maybe, you know, two of those losses or three of those losses turn into wins. I just don't get why we don't talk about Toronto uh, the same way. Like, even just the last couple of weeks, they've lost multiple games by, like, one point or in overtime. And if those go the right way, they have 60 wins, too. And they're just as good. Uh, I don't know. Um, I like them. I like Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. Uh, he's just a, a world beater, and him guarding Giannis would be a heck of a series um, for sure. So I think they have legit. And that doesn't mean Milwaukee's going to lose. I'm not some Milwaukee hater. It just they're not an overwhelming favorite to me. Uh, even if they do wind up running through Boston and, and beating whoever, they can lose at any moment for sure to any of the top four East teams. All right, same question to you for the East then when we look at these betting odds um, to win. Uh, let's start. The favorite, the Bucks plus 125, Toronto plus 225, the Sixers 4-1, uh, Celtics 4-1, to one, Heat 500-1, uh, to one. I don't think we're to talk about that, Magic 100-1, to one, Nets 200, Pistons 200, uh, Pacers uh, 100. Is there, um, again, in a vacuum, who do you think wins the East? Um, and then one that is probably the best value, although the tops kind of, the top four are very close. When we talk about the Bucks again, plus 125, Toronto plus 225, and the Sixers and Celtics at uh, four to one. Yeah, in, in a vacuum, I guess I'll go with the Bucks. Uh, they're the, the favorite for a reason, but those odds are just ridiculous to me. You're, you're telling me, I mean, first of all, they have to win the first series, which they might. I mean, I'm sorry, not they might, they will. But you have to have it happen before it does happen. So that's one thing. And then hypothetically, they have to beat the Celtics. And then whoever survives between the, the Sixers and Raptors, that just makes no sense at plus 125 to bet at all. Uh, I cannot imagine betting plus 125 on them to win the East. I bet round by round or to get better value at parlay your money up. Uh, for sure. I, I cannot recommend more. I, I'll take minus 150 on them losing. If you'll give it to me or anyone else out there, listening wants to because even if they do win the east i'll, I'll make money with prop swap or hedging or hitting up the dk sportsbook whatever it is uh i'm pretty sure i'll make money that way uh can you tell me the the odds for the raptors and sixers and celtics again i think you said sixers and celtics are both plus 400 nope so the raptors are plus 225 and then the sixers celtics plus 400 yep yeah so raptors a little more value there at plus 225 especially getting home court in the second round against the sixers uh Sixers at plus 400, if everything comes together, is right there. I do like the Celtics. I think those odds are too short. Like, the actually, the odds are in line with what I think. But I'm so high on the Celtics that it's weird that I'm extremely high on them, and I have them around plus 400. So if I'm extremely high on them and those odds are there, I, it's probably not the wisest decision to bet on them at, to win the East. I mean, I, I'm higher than I'd say 95% of people. And that's still where I have them. So uh, maybe there's some way you can bet the first round them to win it four one or something or, or game by game, them to blow out the Pacers 
there's more value there. But uh, the Sixers at plus 400 is a much better value than Milwaukee. You know, almost four times. They're not four times as likely the Bucks to win the East as the Sixers are. I think that number is too high, especially with the when it all comes together and Bede gets rest game to game. And uh, they just have a, a huge starting five. Uh, and hopefully for them, for their case, finally all ready and playing together. All right, man. Well, let's look at this from a championship perspective as well as kind of what could happen um, on the playoff front for the matchups before we get you out of here. And before we do that, as always, Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast brought to you by MyBookie.ag. It is Masters Week upcoming, NBA playoffs, a great time in sports, and MyBookie.ag is offering a 50% refund on your biggest Masters bet. For example, if you bet $1,000 on Tommy Fleawood to win, they'll give you back 50% of it if it doesn't hit. Enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus today. Uh, so let's look at this again from moving this over from um the east and west over to um to win it all let's um again i know a couple of things aren't really set in or a lot of them um for matchups when it comes to this if things break let's just say how you kind of envision them um from let's say the east um who has kind of does it's the bucks the raptors uh sixers or celtics i just truly don't think anyone else can come out of the east do any of those teams have kind of the easiest road, the hardest road of teams that could really, you know, test them and surprise them. Um, and what do you see being the end result of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals of what two teams it will be? I mean, the Celtics have the toughest road because their first round series isn't a joke. The Pacers are a legitimate NBA team. These other teams at the bottom, and I like what the Brooklyn Nets have done. Um, shout out to their whole organization. Uh, I'm a big fan of what they've done since Prokhorov sold the team and the whole. Um, just the, the whole situation there in Brooklyn, uh, losing all those draft picks to the Celtics. It was just a franchise killer. And for them to turn around is nice, but Celtics have the hardest road, legit series. First round have to play at the bucks, second round hypothetically. And then at Toronto, or the 76 years, that's just a tough road. Um, easiest road, obviously is Milwaukee. They get just the opposite end of that. And they get whoever the freaking eight seed in the West is going to, eight seed in the East is going to be, which is just, that's a four Oh, or if everything goes wrong and I still win the series four one. So that's how it goes there. And um sorry, I, I'm speaking for so long. I'm forgetting the exact question as I, as I run through it. What, what's what the East, what's your, what's your Eastern conference finals and who wins? God, I, I, I don't, I don't want to give out too confident of an answer. That's okay. A lot of people do that. They come out here and they just yell like the bucks and Sixers are going <laughs> to yeah, play no. like no matter what, like, it's impossible. Like, oh, relax. Like, these teams are good. The Celtics have Brad Stevens. Was Butler going to go to the national title two years in a row? No, but they did. And uh, picked them the second time. Uh, I'm going to go, oh, man. I'm going to go Bucks Raptors with the Raptors uh, going to the NBA Finals. But I would be 0% surprised if Brad Stevens led the Celtics to the NBA Finals. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the 60 win Bucks and maybe 61 if they win the last game go to the NBA Finals. And I sure as hell I said Sixers have the best starting five in the East. They have the best championship odds, in my opinion, if everything goes right to win the NBA Finals from the East. So don't come yell at me if you're a fan. Of <laughs> no one's gonna come at you for this answer. I just wanted your opinion, man. No, but it, it's tough, and I, I think the value is betting on. Betting in game and betting as things kind of transpire, you can in, see what te game. these teams are, right? But also, yeah, do not bet the buck at plus one twenty five to win the East. That's just a terrible value, and I don't care if they sweep everybody. It just it was just not a good decision to make that bet. So, I uh, hope you aren't on that Christian and nope. gave out that advice before they came on the podcast. No, absolutely then, not. <laughs> um, yeah. So, hey, but bet them live. Celtics. What do you think the Celtics Pacers first round series line is going to be? Because I'm pissed. The Celtics have. Uh, home court advantage uh when i think that it's going the brad stevens factor the playoff uh let's you know much like the warriors they they're going to have that price built into them and if they don't i think it's a tremendous amount of value like you said because this is like the warriors i think that they have the ability to really flip a switch um and when you talk about where they were to where they are just from a logistics or just from you know an eyes on them standpoint i think that their stock has almost never been lower um so when we look at this i think that we could potentially get some value here and when i look at um i so celtics four to one and then Pacers 10 to one. So you're probably looking uh, minus two. No, um, you don't think it could be any lower than $2, right? Minus 200. Uh, if it's minus 200, 
We are going to have an emergency podcast. <laughs> All right, minus four. Let what do you think? Know, let me know what you're doing because uh, we're going to be hanging out in Las Vegas uh, with a large bet. When you look at Celtics. it, though, they're, the Pacers are one game. They have the same record. They could fin- potentially finish the season with one within one game of each other, though. So how how high can you really make it? You know. You, if it's minus 200, you and I are going to do a live podcast <laughs> from Las Vegas. I'll tell you that much. That's what's going to happen. What would it's be your just, limit? Minus four? My, my, my guess is minus, minus four. Yeah. was what I was going to say before. If it's minus two, like I said, I mean, get it as fast as possible. Everyone's going to bet the Celtics. If it's minus two, like, oh, my God. Just... Uh, I don't even know. I, I'm I'm starting to think that maybe it can be lower than I think, and I actually have to do that live podcast with you in Las <laughs> Vegas or whatever else, and we're gonna have a good time because uh, we're gonna be cash that bet in. That's right. It'll probably split the difference, be like minus three hundred. But let's um let's move over to the West here. Look, Golden State. I think they obviously have the easiest road just because one versus eight. But Denver, Houston. Um, I mean, Houston has a tough potential first round matchup against OKC that could go to the limit. Portland and the Jazz. I don't think there's a ton to talk about there just because I don't think either team can make a run here. Golden State, Nuggets, Rockets. Um, I'll even throw the, the Thunder in with with kind of that group just because of the players that they they have out there. Um, I would say easiest road and hardest road because I think Golden State's very clearly going to have the easiest road. But is this, um, you know, take your ROI, maybe flat bet Golden State uh, to win the West or to win it all and move on? Or is there any chance you would take a bet on on any of these, you know, series matchups um, for any reason at all other than than um, the Warriors? Get me on Utah. What, what, what do you think the Utah-Portland series will be? It's funny because... I was hoping for that matchup and I was hoping the Jazz would be uh I was hoping the Jazz and Celtics would both be road uh be on the road against the Blazers and Pacers. And it looks like they'll both, you know, face each other. The Jazz will be the road team, the Celtics the home team. But a little two game two team series parlay between uh, the uh Jazz to beat the Blazers and the Celtics to beat the Pacers, I, th- I think might work out because what do you think that Jazz Blazers line is going to be? I think it might be uh, even with the Jazz on the road, one minus yeah. something. Yeah, I was gonna say like almost pick, um, right around there. You think it's gonna be a pick, really? I think the Jazz are gonna be a, a two to one favorite. It'd be minus two hundred. I was gonna say like minus one ten to minus one forty, only because again, when you oh, look, man. when you look at this, um, the the records are are so similar that I you know like there's so much perception that sometimes is and sometimes isn't kind of built into um you know how these lines are set right you know this when you're when you're gonna bet on a public team you're gonna pay a premium whether it's the Patriots whether it's whatever and so when you look at this objectively um this is you know Portland at 51 and 29 Utah 49 and 31 people are going to look at that and say the the better team in Portland is, you know, an underdog. What's going on there? Maybe you wait for a public to come in, just taking the four seed um, is why I, I think I always make things a little bit lower because I look at the NBA so objectively without a, a narrative type of front when it comes to teams, you know, that's why I'm yeah, always, t- I always tend to be a little bit lower than with what, you know, people who watch the league think. With home court, you're right. The line's going to be lower than I, than I thought, I guess, but man, after what Portland did in the playoffs last year, Utah, I loved it. I got, I don't even want to talk about Utah versus the OKC Thunder. My opinion on that series and how it went for me, just, I was completely right. And somehow I just, it went wrong for me. Like the couple games that I did, whatever went wrong. But um, I don't know. I, I think the Jazz, if they're minus 140, I, I mean, uh, this is too far on, going too far out on a limb. But you give me straight up, Jazz and Celtics to advance the second round against the Blazers uh, and Pacers. Pacers yep. Pick them. And we give me pick them each side. Either the Jazz and Celtics both win or they don't. I'm not, I'm not sure which way I go. And <laughs> you're saying it's going to be like possibly a minus 200 and a, and a minus 140 or something. Like it's a big underdog odds if you parlay them together. I think it's more likely to happen than not. So I'm going to be all over both those matchups. All right, we'll see where those open. Lastly, man, before we get you out of here, uh, look, let's just break down the NBA championship. Warriors minus 200 is that quote-unquote value. I think a you know, 50% uh, ROI is not bad when you're betting on a team like the Warriors in the playoffs. Uh, Rockets 6-1, to one, 76ers and Celtics. Funny how their odds are always the same, both at 20-1. to one. Uh, Raptors 12-1, to one, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else that actually has, I believe, has a chance. Bucks at six to one. I mean, I can go down if you want to talk about any other long shot team here. But like I said, is this bet the Warriors and walk away? Is there a team on here that you think can make it to the finals with, you know, a if you buy now um, a chance to hedge it? Or will they still be such a big underdog to the Warriors when you look at specifically those East teams? You know, I don't think there will be a 20 to one, you know, series underdog, of course. But um, is it worth it to do that or just bet the series price um, if whichever team of the East that you choose um, gets to that against the Warriors or do you you know take a shot on anarchy knowing that the field becomes so wide open if the Warriors somehow take an earlier than seen exit yeah it's the Sixers are the, are the option there because you, you need good value you need hedging ability if that finals happens and if you take Milwaukee what are the Milwaukee odds again Milwaukee Bucks are six to one six to one you got to get through three series and then hypothetically have to beat the Warriors that's just not enough you get 20 to one on the uh the Sixers is they 20 to 1? It makes Sixers and sense. Celtics 20 to 1, yep. What's strange though is so if you look at the Eastern Conference odds, the Celt- the Sixers are about four times as likely, sorry, four times as unlikely whatever to win. It's plus 400 versus plus 125. But for the NBA Finals, it's about three times higher at 6 to 1 versus 20 to 1. So not exactly the right matchup there, but I like Philly at 20 to 1 think hedging ability and i said they have the best chance to beat the warriors if it comes to it uh rockets have a shot but that's just stupid odds with their place that um way too high uh and the warriors don't don't bet them to win the finals before the first round happens you're going to get no credit for the warriors beating the eight seed nothing like no one's no, no extra value uh on the warriors beating whoever but you run the risk of injury and if Curry or Durant goes down, the injury. So I'm not going to, I wouldn't advise betting that because you have almost no upside. They sweep the Clippers. It's not like, oh, wow, they swept the Clippers now. Like now the Warriors are minus 600 to win the finals. Like, no, it's going to be about what it was. But if something goes wrong, if, uh, you know, who, who Curry or Durant, something bad happens, you can go from a big favorite, to even money or something, who knows, or even an underdog if it's a major injury. So do not bet the Warriors until at least the second round when, you know, them beating the Jazz or whatever, that, that's serious. That, that does affect your odds. But don't bet it before the NBA Finals, in my opinion, or sorry, before the playoffs get to the second round. Because I just think the favorites basically went out uh, in general and you get no extra benefit, but all the risk in the world. Right, it's built into right the now. line already to, to, that they're going to win that eight seed. It makes a ton of sense. Lastly, man, narratives, anything big takeaway from either the West, the East um, as this season, whether it be the leap that Giannis made, Harden um, coming, you know, kind of chasing him was the favorite. They went back and forth, you know, Giannis minus 400, uh, Harden, I believe, plus 300 right now as the odds stand. MVPs, rookie of the year, anything that really kind of stood out to you, um, you know, Trey Young comes to mind, but anything and everything kind of narrative wise from the NBA season that was before we get you out of here uh, on the rest of your busy day for what the NBA season, that, the regular season, at least that was for you that kind of stood out to you as the biggest takeaways. What were they? Yeah, I mean, Luka Doncic at Rookie of the Year. He was my pick. I thought I should have gone number one. Still think it. Trey Young had a great season, too. Surprisingly good, in my opinion. We'll see how he can pair on defense one day when he's playing in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if I fully trust his defensive ability, but look, doesn't matter what. Steph Curry actually plays hard. He's a good defender uh, for what he is, but who gives a crap if he turns into what Steph Curry is or even close? Wouldn't matter. I love Luka Doncic, though. Hugely bright future. If they can get top two pick and Porzingis is innocent and can play, man, look out for that team next year and just in the future. Other than that, Warriors are who we thought they were a little disappointed regular season, but no one cares. Like they don't care. Yep. They get to sweep or five game whoever in the first round and they got five all NBA players. I think Durant's on his way out. Giannis uh, is now elevated into that Durant, LeBron, Giannis uh, area of best player in the league both ways Kawhi Leonard uh we'll see how he does in the playoffs his resurrection there um takeaways other than that happy to see the Kings do well for them it was great Brad Stevens and the Celtics disappointing but we'll see uh and just I'm looking forward to a great playoffs uh been a, a fun ride uh you know seeing Dwayne Wade and Dirk Whiskey's presumably last seasons and uh just a lot of fun, and I'm more really looking forward to the second round of the NBA playoffs because that's when it's going to get interesting. I, I 
don't really care about Brooklyn and Orlando and Detroit if those are the three teams at the bottom there. And look, I love my Clippers, but they're going to get blasted in the first round. Spurs, they're not the most exciting team to watch and, you know, under talented. But the second round, we get, you know, Warriors and Rockets. And uh, the four teamers in the East, presumably, uh, it's going to be so much freaking fun. Uh, I, I cannot be more excited for the second, third, and second and third rounds of the NBA playoffs. I love when people have passion for what they do, man. And that comes through with you. He is Eric Rosenthal. Find him on Twitter at Eric Sports, new host of Between the Lines on DraftKings at Between Lines DK. I want you to uh, pimp your podcast. I want you to plug everything else you have going on, man, and anything and everything in this space because it's all incredible, incredible content. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what I want to plug. It's really important podcast that you have to be listening to uh no doubt about it the podcast you need to listen to it's called inside vegas uh christian pina <laughs> is, is great you got to hear this guy uh phenomenal advice talent all, all, all the stats always has a great roi random props that he comes up with that you would never think of that hit the over like some it's not the nfl right now but it'll be like some tight end like this team's given up 72 and a half yards to backup tight ends last four weeks and then uh some tight end you never heard of goes for like 11 catches for 136 yards uh so yeah listen to the inside vegas podcast with christian pina that's what i'll say you are too good for me man let's not make it so long in between talks and again after this point Rob. Um, again thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and we will talk soon anytime and all the time